0: Welcome to Living Love, the radio broadcast ministry of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Benton, Illinois. Our desire is to live love to God, to others, and the nations. We hope this week's broadcast will bless and encourage you. Now, let's dive into God's Word and see how we can live love today. As we've been looking at Jesus on the move these last number of weeks, we've kind of focused in on that last week of Jesus's life before he went to the cross. Jesus had some last minute teachings that he had to throw out to his disciples. He had the last supper as he sat down with those who knew him best. He went to the garden with his disciples and he prayed for God's will to be done, not for his will to be done. Jesus was arrested by a mob, even though Jesus was the one that was willing to go. Because when we look at this idea of what was it that put Jesus on the cross, it wasn't some kind of evidence that was presented at his trumped up trial. No, there was no evidence to be had. It wasn't some kind of witness or corroborative witness that was given. No, the witnesses couldn't agree on anything. No, what was it that put Jesus on the cross? It was God's providence. It was God's plan. And it was so well orchestrated from the beginning of time. That God would send Jesus to save lost people. As we look at the life of someone who I would argue was Jesus' closest person while he was on earth. And today we're going to look at this guy and he didn't have a good day. You ever had a bad day? I don't mean a bad day as in life's just not going, your well, going, going well your way. I mean, have you ever had a bad day where you were the reason it was the bad day? I mean, I know some of you are different than me, but I don't always do this Jesus follower thing very well. Sometimes, sometimes I have pretty rough days. And this morning we're going to look at the life of an individual, a moment to where he, he did not do well. And he didn't do well, to be perfectly honest, following after Jesus just isn't always an easy thing. And if we're to be completely transparent, sometimes when we follow after Jesus, we find ourselves in very fearful situations. We would love for our faith to maintain and be made strong, but sometimes fear gets the best of us. Sometimes faith gives way to fear. I know that's happened in my life. My guess is for some of you, it's happened in your life as well. But that's not the life I want to live. I don't want to live a life where my faith gives way to fear. So this morning, I want us to consider this question. How can I avoid letting faith give way to fear? How can I avoid letting the faith that I have give way to the fear that can creep in? Let me me read the passage, and we'll do a little bit of unpacking. Mark chapter 14, beginning in verse 66, and it says, As Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came, and seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also were with the Nazarene Jesus. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. And he went out into the gateway, and the rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him and began again to say to the bystanders, Hey, this man is one of them, but again he denied it. And after a little while, the bystanders again said to Peter, Certainly you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. But he began to invoke a curse on him and to swear. And when we say that, it's not that... Peter began to cuss at her. No, he he made a, a, a statement, almost making an oath. And this is what he said. He said, I do not know this man of whom you speak. And immediately the rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and wept. And that idea of weeping, it's... He pondered the events that had just happened, and it pushed him to the point of weeping and grief. How can I avoid letting my faith give way to fear? Well, the first thing I want us to look at is when it comes to avoiding letting my faith give way to fear, I must prepare myself for situations that are beyond my understanding. If I'm going to follow after Jesus, I must be prepared for situations in life that exceed what I understand or what I can comprehend. I mean, just imagine the, the 24-hour period between where Peter denies Jesus to the things that had come before that. Just that previous evening, Peter was able to participate in what could be one of the greatest events ever to happen outside of Jesus going to the cross, especially for his disciples. Remember, Jesus had gathered his disciples together. They had sat around a table and they had broken bread and drank of the cup. They participated in the Passover with one another. And as Jesus explained the Passover, something that they had celebrated many times before, Jesus then blows their minds and says, hey, the bread that you eat, that signifies my body. The cup that you drink signifies the blood that will be spilled for you. From the beginning of creation, from before the world was created, God had a plan in which he would redeem and restore lost people to himself. And Jesus was that sacrifice that would be made what Peter got to experience. They then left that upper room. They sang a song on the way to the garden. As they're traveling to the garden, Jesus and Peter get into a conversation to where now Peter's making some bold statements. And Jesus looks right at Peter and says, hey, by the way, before the rooster crows two times, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter looks at him and says, there's no way I would ever do that. They get to the garden. Jesus has the disciples. He takes most of the disciples and has them pray. Then he takes three disciples, Peter, James, and John, with him a little bit deeper into the garden, says, hey, you need to be watchful. You need to to be spiritually ready for something. And Jesus went and prayed, God, not my will, but your be done with what's about to take place. Jesus comes back to Peter and James and John. They're sleeping. He's like, hey, wake up, guys. Be watchful and pray so that you don't fall into temptation. That happens two more times, and then eventually Jesus comes back and says, Hey, it's time to wake up. They're, they're coming to arrest me. Judas, the one to betray Jesus, walks up, kisses him on the cheek. Jesus is taken into custody. Peter pulls out a sword, lops the ear off of one of the servants that is there with the mob arresting Jesus. But Jesus reaches out and touches the man's ear and heals Him and then the disciples scatter. I mean, that's the series of events that have taken place. And not at one point do any of the disciples in that moment understand what's going on. I mean, we know what's going on, but why do we know what's going on? Because we're already reading about it. They had no idea what was taking place. Had there been a time where Jesus had told the disciples, hey, listen, I'm going to have to die? Yes, he had had that conversation. Had there been the moment where Jesus looked at Peter and said, hey, three times you're going to deny me? Yes, they had had that conversation. Did that therefore mean that the disciples were ready for what was about to happen? Absolutely not. They weren't ready. This caught them by surprise. And before we get too high and mighty, if we had been there, it would have caught us by surprise. If we are going to avoid letting faith give way to fear, we must be prepared for situations that are beyond our understanding. Or else we will quickly move past our faith and default right to fear. But that's not really hard for us to wrap our arms around, is it? It's not hard for us to comprehend that we might go through things that we're not expecting? Have you ever had something happen in your life that you weren't expecting to happen? Yeah, The room's filled with that. I'm of, I'm of the belief that within the course of a year, for the most part, every single person will have some kind of event that happens that catches them off guard. I saw that firsthand in my two deployments that I got to have, one to Iraq and one to Afghanistan I was in both those places for about a year. And within that year, almost every single soldier, every single um, contractor, every single civilian that was attached to our unit, every single one of them experienced something that caught them off guard. It it was kind of one of those rock back on the hills kind of events, whether it would be a child at home having a difficult time, a relationship that was strained by the 7,000 mile difference, or something combat related that just they didn't, weren't prepared for, didn't process well. We, we live lives where we're occasionally taken or caught off guard. And that is not abnormal for spiritual things to happen to us either that catch us off guard. And when we consider the spiritual realm in which we live... If we are not careful, if we are not prepared for situations beyond our understanding, we could find our faith give way to fear. And I don't want to see that happen. I don't want to see that happen in my life. I don't want to see that happen in yours. How do we avoid letting faith give way to fear? We prepare ourselves for things that will happen beyond our understanding, which means we must keep our hearts focused on the Lord. I would argue that in this moment, Peter is probably at his spiritually weakest place. Think about what had happened in the garden. Jesus said, be watchful. Jesus said, pray. But what did Peter and the disciples do? They slept. Instead of fortifying themselves with spiritual things, they decided to physically rest and they were not ready for the events that were in front of them. Church, I want to see us not give way to fear. So we must prepare ourselves for situations beyond our understanding. But that's not the only thing. If we're to avoid letting faith give way to fear, we don't just prepare ourselves for situations that we're not prepared for or, or that we can't, we can't comprehend at having Or experiencing, no, we must also be ready to give a faithful response when we have conversations with other people or where we're engaged with conversations with others, regardless of the circumstance in which we have those conversations. That's exactly what happened to Peter. Listen, after, after Jesus was arrested, it says that in verse number 50 that all the disciples left him and fled. In verse 53, they led Jesus to the high priest and all the chief priests and the elders and the scribes came together and Peter had followed him at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest. Peter wanted to see what was going on. He wanted to see what was going to take place with Jesus. He just wasn't ready to have conversations, but a conversation he would have. Actually, he would have kind of three separate conversations all with the same group of people. And it begins in verse number, um, verse number 66. Peter was below in the courtyard. One of the servant girls of the high priest came and seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, now I, I, I want to kind of give us some context more than likely to what this conversation looked like. It wasn't just some people standing around a fire having a nice gentle conversation. It wasn't like, hey, where are you from? What do you like to do? do you think he should be crucified? I mean, that's not the conversation that they're having here. It's not just a matter-of-fact conversation. No, this servant girl, she was the servant, was the servant girl of who? Of the high priest. Whose side do you think she was probably on? She's probably on the high priest's side. She looks across the fire and she sees someone who she believes is not... On the high priest's side, but more than likely is on Jesus' side. This more than likely is a contentious conversation. As she looks at him first and says, hey, you also were were with the Nazarene Jesus. And Peter responds, I neither know nor understand what you mean. It was a very common expression. What he's pretty much saying is we, we have, I think we have a common expression for ourselves today. When we are accused of something or we have something thrown our way, we look at people and go, I have no idea what you're talking about. You ever responded with that before? Like when your teacher catches you cheating? I have no idea what you're talking about. I mean, this, that's kind of common language for us. That, that's, that's effectively what Peter is saying here. Hey, I neither... No, nor understand what you mean. No, I'm not associated with that guy. Peter walks away from that conversation, but the conversation sticks closely to him. It says, he he went out to the gateway, the, the rooster crowed. This was the first time the rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him and began again to say to the bystanders, she's just not talking directly to Peter now, she's talking to those around him as well, and, and she says, hey, This man is one of them. Not just, hey, I saw you with the Nazarene, Jesus. No, now she's saying, hey, you're one of them. And it says that Peter denied the statement. Once again, kind of saying, hey, I have no idea what you're talking about here. It's in that moment that that the bystanders now begin to press and it says, and after a little while in verse number 70, while the bystanders again said to Peter, Certainly you're one of them, for you are a Galilean. What they're saying is, hey, listen, the way you talk tips to the group that you belong with. You ever met someone before with the way that they talk, you knew they weren't from around here? Maybe the way they say something. Maybe a. Maybe a specific word that comes out. You're like, man, they're not from these parts. They're from over yonder or something like that. That's a word we use in other places to say over there. Um, the way that he was talking, they're like, man, you're from somewhere different. And it's in that moment that that Peter makes a very um, kind of severe statement. It says he began, began to... Invoke a curse on himself and swear, effectively confirming by oath, I do not know the name of this man. I, I do not know who this man is. And he's very careful with his words. He wasn't like, hey, no, I don't know who Jesus is. Oh, gotcha. You know, that's, that's not what it was. No, he was careful with his words. I do not know this man of whom you speak. And the moment that he says it, Mark tells us he uses that immediate language, immediately what happened. The rooster crowed the second time. And it says that Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times, and he broke down and wept. This story in isolation paints Peter to be a pretty rough character. He didn't do well here. But for the people in this room that you might classify yourself as a church brat, do I, do I have any church lifers in the room? I mean, like, you've been in life all, you've been in church always? <laughs> Absolutely. Some of you grew up coming before you were even born. I mean for a, for a church lifer, if we were to do like a top 10 list of The greatest Christ followers to ever walk the planet. I mean, Peter's at the top of the list. He's one of the top dudes. I mean, it's not like talking about the NBA where it's clear that Michael Jordan's the best player to ever play the game. Because modern day players are just weak. I mean, you too could make layups if no one fouled you. If a certain player, not to be named, LeBron James, Had played against the Detroit Pistons that Michael Jordan played against, he'd have been broken. If the Detroit Pistons, though, then played, where are you going, Kirk? I'm I'm fixing something. (laughs) If the the Detroit Pistons then played now, they'd all be ejected. That's just different. (laughs) Peter's at the top of the list. But here in this moment, he had such a rough day. But you know what's great about following after Jesus is you can have a rough day and God can do incredible things in you. You might find yourself where faith gives way to fear, but you can see that reversed. Yesterday, Brandy and I were talking about the message, and no, it's not because I make our family sit down in the living room and I preach to them. That would be weird. We come up here and do it. And (laughs) No, I'm just messing. That's funny, though. That really is. That's funny. <laughs> but as we were talking about this, and I was, I was kind of going through the passage, talking about, hey, we need to be ready to have conversations with other people, even in difficult circumstances. A passage in Scripture popped into Brandy's mind. And, and she shared the passage, and we kind of talked about it and then and, and, and I'm gonna kind of read into some things here, but but not too much so. Um, I, I want to share a passage with you that Peter wrote. And I don't know if Peter had this instance in mind when he wrote it, but I think it would fit. In 1 Peter chapter 3, starting in verse number 13, P- Peter asked this question. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? Like, if you're going to be for good things, who's going to harm you? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you yet do it with gentleness and respect. Isn't that incredible? I wonder if Peter, when he wrote those words, maybe thought back to the opportunity that he had to speak hope into people's lives, but he didn't take it. I I don't know if that's what he meant. Have you ever said something in the moment that you said it, it took you back to something before? And part of the reason why you said it was because of that instance. I don't know if that's that's what's happening with Peter here. But what I do know is this. On the back end of Peter failing so miserably in this moment, Peter is wonderfully restored by Jesus. And he took every opportunity he could have to be ready to have conversations with people about truth. I don't think he wanted to experience another time in his life where faith gave way to fear. How do we avoid letting faith give way to fear? We prepare for situations beyond our understanding. We should be ready to give a faithful response to other people regardless of the circumstance. And then one final thing. How can I avoid letting faith give way to fear in my life? Is I must embrace the relationship that I have with Jesus Even when it is costly. Or maybe I should change that word to especially when it's costly. If I'm going to avoid letting faith give way to fear, I need to embrace the relationship that, that I have with Jesus and be unafraid of what might come with it. I think fear was the main motivator in this moment for Peter denying Jesus, rather than claiming that he was a follower of him. And and I think the reason why we can say that with kind of a confidence is the way that Peter responds. The moment he denies Jesus the third time, immediately the rooster crowed. And Peter was transported to that conversation he had had with Jesus just hours before. Where Jesus had said, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And in that moment, as Peter reflected on those words that he had had with Jesus, the lat, some of the last words that he would have, here he stands having denied Christ. And where does it push him? It pushes him to a point of weeping and grief. But you know what it didn't do? It didn't push him to the point to where he was never going to follow Jesus again. Now I think in that moment, he was willing to embrace the relationship that he would have with Jesus, regardless the cost. Following after Jesus in 2023 in the United States of America really isn't that great of a cost. We should live our lives where We're willing to pay a cost. But let's be completely honest. You being here this morning isn't a hard thing. Outside of you having to wake up to come to church. I mean, that's like the hardest thing you did today. I mean, some of you, maybe like me, got in your car this morning and as you left the house, got to look at all the toilet paper on the ground in your front yard. By the way, if you know of any cars that came to my house last night, And then people that wanted to ring the doorbell at 11.15, let's go pay them a visit. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I mean, it wasn't hard coming to church this morning. It's not hard sitting here. Right now, you don't have to be concerned that if in just a moment when you respond to the song that we sing and to the word that we've heard, if you decide, man, I want to go public with my faith this morning, you don't need to be concerned about what people are going to think about you. It's just not a high cost here in this room. At the beginning of the message, Pastor, I mean, at the beginning of our worship service, Pastor John talked about the millions of people that are worshiped around the world. Can I tell you there have been people that have worshiped today in other countries where there was an incredible cost for them to come together, yet they still did it. Why? Because the cost is worth it because of what Jesus has done for us. Church, if we are to live a life where we avoid letting faith give way to fear, then we will embrace our relationship with Jesus regardless of the the cost. Remember when Jesus stood before the high priest, there was no evidence. The witnesses could not get their story straight. So the high priest is like, hey, what do you have to say about all these people? And Jesus said nothing. But the moment that the high priest said, hey, are you the Christ, the son of God, the blessed, in that moment, Peter, Jesus couldn't deny anything. He said, no, I am the Christ. If Peter had been asked the same exact question and he had said, no, Jesus is the Christ, Peter would have lost his life. There was a great cost of falling after Jesus. But I'm here to tell you good news. After Peter was restored by Jesus himself, there would come a day to where Peter would be accused of following after Jesus and he would say, without fear, without reservation, I want to tell the world that I'm a follower of Christ. And Peter would lose his life because he was a Jesus follower. I don't want to let faith give way to fear. Instead, I want to be prepared for any situation that might be thrown my way, regardless of whether I understand it or not. I want to be ready to have faithful conversations with other people as we talk about spiritual things. And then I want to be so committed to the relationship that I have with Jesus that I could care less about the cost that might be thrown my way because Jesus has already paid the ultimate cost. Have you ever screwed up when it came to your faith before? Can I just encourage you with something? Grace is available for you. Because I thank God that grace is available for me. Grace is available if you've misstepped. You might have taken a thousand steps away from Jesus, but praise be to God, it only takes one step to get back. We're not promoting to sin more so grace abounds more. No, we're, we're saying in the moment that you misstep, know this, that God, the same God who forgave you and saved you from your sins is the same God who will continue to love you for all eternity. There is not a limit to the grace of God. But I also want you to know this, that I don't want you to go through life giving letting your faith give way to fear. Instead, I want you to be okay with the consequences to following after Jesus. Don't be afraid of those consequences. Could you potentially be ostracized by other people for following after Jesus? Absolutely. Is it possible that you could lose your job for following after Jesus? You bet. Does a world exist in which you might lose your life for following after Christ? Yeah, it happens all the time. But I think it's worth it. I think the consequences are worth it because of what Jesus has done for us. So this morning, instead of having your faith give way to fear, let's be a people that has our fear give way to faith. Thank you for joining us for this week's broadcast of Living Love. If this message has impacted you in any way, please let us know. If you would like to contact us, find out more about our church, or if you'd like to support our mission, visit ibcbenton.com. That's I-B-C-B-E-N-T-O-N